Madison Story Slam, it's finally here. The second half of our Holy Shit Story Slam event. We've got tons of great stories in this episode. So, you know, sit back, relax, grab a drink if that's what you're into, and listen to some fantastic stories from fantastic people. Hey, our next Story Slam is Saturday, May 20th. That's the final Story Slam of the 2016-2017 season. It's been such a fun time this year. Uh, We've got bigger plans for next year. We've got some stuff going on in the summer that we can't quite talk about yet, but let's just tease you with that. Needless to say, a lot of stuff is going on in Story Slam land, and we're glad you want to be a part of it. Part of that way you can be a part of it is through our Patreon page. If you go to www.patreon.com slash Madison Story Slam, you can find us there and uh, do your thing so that we can continue to do our thing. I'm going to stop saying thang now. Anyway, uh, another way you could help us is go to iTunes and rate the podcast. That helps people find our podcast. And like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That would help a lot. Uh, I don't think I really have anything else for you guys. I'm just kind of killing time until the intro dies down and we get to hear stories. Our first storyteller is Leif, and he's got a wonderful story. And I'm going to let him tell you what it's all about. Take it away, Leif. Hey, this is my first time telling a story here. I came here for the first time last month. And uh, if this is terrible, just remember that I'm the homeschooled guy from the beginning. So it's not my fault. Um, This is a story ostensibly about uh, mountaineering. Uh, Most mountaineering stories start at the bottom and talk about the... Talk about the, 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 the climb, the ascent, the steep ice walls and crevasses and everything, but uh, I'm going to start mine at the top because the ascent of a mountain in mountaineering is actually not that fun. You spend hours, 10, 20, 30 days, who knows, trudging uphill, staring at the ass of the other idiot in front of you, and it's just not really, it doesn't make a good story. So this starts at the top of Mount Rainier on my dad's 50th birthday, which he wanted to go climb Mount Rainier for his 50th, so I went along with him, and we hired guides, and they organized us and uh, hauled our fat, sorry asses to the top of this mountain, and we're up there at 14,000-something feet sitting in the, in the crater on top of Mount Rainier, and we uh, watching the volcanic steam come out of the crevasses around the edge of the crater, and it's, we did a kind of untraditional evening ascent because we were afraid of the weather the following morning when we were supposed to top out, so it's the evening, the sun is setting, the shadow of the mountain is stretching off to the horizon, and the and the full moon's hanging there, and it's beautiful, amazing, amazing place. And we, uh, and that environment is where we start. I start walking down the high slopes of the mountain, over the crevasses on the on the rickety aluminum ladders that you go you go walking across. And as we get down to the, uh, and we, as we get down to the top of the disappointment cleaver, it's this big rock feature on the side of the mountain that you climb down for about a thousand feet. And uh, that's when I start to realize that my actions have consequences. On the way up this mountain, um, the guides told us, you're going to be burning a lot of calories. You need to eat a lot of food. You need to, it's going to be, you're going to be tired. You're going to be cold. You're going to be at high altitude. You're not going to want to eat, but you need to eat as much as you can. I'm a 19-year-old boy. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, all right, bring it on. I can do this. So I was eating 2,000 calories a meal and snacking every hour in between for two days as we went up this mountain. And I was just pouring it in. Like I would finish my food, and all the 50-year-old people I was climbing with me, I can't eat another bite. I'll, I'll take it. Burrito, pancake, hit me, hit me, let's go, come on. Um, so I was doing all this, and uh, 
as we hit the top of the disappointment cleaver on the way down, the sun's kind of all the way down, and it's dark when we're hiking by our headlamps. We've got another hour and a half or two before we get to our high camp, and all this that I've consumed wants to not be where it's at anymore. It's, uh, there's, uh, it starts at the top of the cleaver. It's kind of a... Uh, growing pressure and then it becomes uh, becomes a growing pain and then it becomes some uh, intense burning agony that uh, this is the pressure of I, I gotta poop, I gotta poop so bad and you, you, you're, you're, on, you're on this, this rock thing and you're, you're stumbling down and you're all roped up, you're wearing a harness and everything, it's, it's not a good place to untie and go, you know, walk off into the corner and take a dump, so I, I this hour of, you know clenching and trying to make my way down this mountain later, we finally get back to our high camp, and it's on the, the Ingraham Glacier. We've got a bunch of tents there, and uh, we get down to the kind of flat, relatively safe ground. I'm like, you know, untying it. I go running off into the glacier as fast as I can, and I'm stopping about 40 feet from the tents and uh, drop my harness and drop my pants, my naked white ass out there for the world to see. And uh, one of the guys hollers at me, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I got to poop. Come on. And uh, he says, not there. Go to the snow cave. We dug out over there a few days ago. That's the, that's the place where you want to you wanna do that. And I go, okay. And of course, this draws the attention and the glaring headlight beams of everybody else in the climbing team <laughs> to where my naked, pasty, white man ass is hanging out in the open there. And uh, so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll pull my pants up and I'll get, uh, I'll get over there. And uh, I got a harness on. I got a bunch of crap hanging off my harness. I got three pairs of pants and I got crampons on and they're all horrifically snagged up around my feet and I can't get anything up past halfway at my shin. So I'm standing there with everybody staring and laughing with their headlights, headlamps staring at me. Impossible in this demonically possessed battering ram of a turd it has no sympathy it has it has no sympathy for my wardrobe malfunction so i'm eventually do this kind of hop thing across the glacier and as i'm as i'm going you know i of course get snagged up and trip and fall down and i'm on my arms and crawling my feet stuck together everybody is watching and having a having a blast they're all having a great time and i finally finally make it to the safety of the snow cave and just roll over into it and finally safe from the glares and the jeers of everybody else in the, in the team. And, uh, and then I have to face my next, my next ordeal. This is blue bagging. Blue bagging, if nobody's heard of it before, is... I'll describe it like this. Let's say you're in an open, open, open yard, somebody throws a hula hoop down on the ground 30 feet away and gives you a javelin and says, you have to throw this javelin and have it land, you know, spear down in the middle of that hula hoop. Blue bagging is kind of like that, except you throw the javelin with your butt. It's, it's little tiny blue bags. You can't poop on a glacier. If you poop on a glacier, it goes rolling down for you know, 5,000 feet and then hits some poor fool down below. It's not a, it's not a good thing. So leave no, leave no trace. Leave nothing behind. So you get a little tiny blue bag and an opening about, about, about this big, and you got to you know, aim and deal with this situation. And uh, so I you know, get, get myself together and try to, try to do this. And... Uh, Let's just say that I did not make nationals in the uh, turd hurling sport that year. Um, my, the precision turd hurling, I was not very accurate. So I run out of my meager supply of toilet paper long before I you know, have taken care of everything that needs to be taken care of. And uh, that was when I realized, holy shit, nothing feels as refreshing as wiping your ass with a snowball. Thanks, Leif. I'm going to butcher your last name, I think. But your first name is Ellen, and the last name is, is it Kothi? Cotney. All right, give it up for Ellen.
So the thing in my life that makes me say, holy shit, this is horrible the most is probably dating. Um, And I can tell you some pretty bad stories about dates that I've gone on. Uh, I learned the hard way that you never go tandem kayaking with someone until you're married because... Like, tandem kayaks are small, and passive-aggressive attitudes are big. <laughs> um, just recently, actually, I had a guy uh, start reciting to me his college admissions essay, like, from memory. Um, <laughs> and all I could think was, like, I don't think I'm the target audience for that. <laughs> um, but today I'm going to tell a story, kind of like the origin story, if you will, um, the first first date I ever went on. Um, that has kind of set the tone, unfortunately, I think, for a lot of my other dating escapades. Um, But like all good high school romance stories, uh, this one starts with parents setting rules that proceed to ruin your life. Um, My mom had kind of an unconventional approach to her teenage daughter dating in the sense that her rule was that unless I feared for my life, I had to say yes to everyone. This was supposed to teach me not to judge people um, on their looks or whatever. And she didn't want me to be a jerk to people. I was apparently susceptible to that. Um, And so that's how I found myself, senior year of high school, because I was like a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, I was doing homework. It was was a fall. And I get a call from uh, one of my friends. His name is Josh, because I'm the Taylor Swift of dating anecdotes. I don't believe in changing people's names. Um, (laughs) So... Josh, if you're out there, hello. Um, but anyway, so I get a call, and uh, I, he is actually a year older than me, so he just went to college. Um, but he like went to school locally, so he was still like around. I don't know. We weren't super good friends. He was super dramatic. He lived his life like he was like 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 Ted from How I Met Your Mother. Um, he was like convinced that there was like destiny waiting for him, and there like really wasn't. Um, and so. <laughs> Uh, and so anyway, so he calls me and he asks me out to dinner and, uh, and I didn't like really want to go, but I knew about this rule, so I knew I was going to have to. Um, and so I say this really like, like mature way of like stalling, which is like, oh, I'll have to check my calendar, um, <laughs> which I did have a calendar, right? I had a planner where I wrote down my homework um, and it was open in front of me during this conversation. And I saw that Saturday was completely free, uh, which was the day that he was proposing. But, you know, I still thought I like would try to get out of this in some way. So I tell him I have to call him back. Um, and I go into my living room, and I start, like, you know, kind of feeling out, like, how much of a rule this rule really is. Like, is it a rule? Is it more of a guideline? Um, like, what do you mean about, like, you know, physically fearing for my life? Like, <laughs> like how, how like, much wiggle room do we have on that? Um, and so while I'm, like, in this conversation with my mother, um, my phone rings again, and it's Josh. And so I answer, uh, and he, like, starts talking, and then he falls completely silent, there's no, like, breathing. There's no background noise. Um, but the, like, call is still going. Like, we haven't been disconnected. And so I'm like, all right, like, this is weird. Um, and so I hang up, and I, you know, go back to talking to my mom. Uh, and then Josh calls me again, and <laughs> he explains to me that he just called me a couple minutes ago in case I missed it. Um, and he was talking into the phone but proceeded to mute the phone with his cheek, but he didn't know that, so he kept talking uh, and didn't know anything was wrong until I hung up on him. So he wanted to call me back to, like, explain that, like, that had happened. Um, but then also to, like, continue making the point that he had been making that I hadn't been able to hear, um, <laughs> which was that he wanted to make sure that I knew this was a date. Um, and I was like, well, like, I speak English, so, like, <laughs> like yeah, I, I do. I know this is a date. Thanks for making this weird. Um, 
And so, long story short, I did not get out of this date. I was able to negotiate it down to lunch, because I figured, like, yeah, it's a little less formal. Um, and he let me choose the place, which was great, because I chose this like, really gross deli in my hometown um, that's like run by a bunch of potheads. But it's like it's really good, but it's like the least romantic place you could imagine on earth. So I was like, perfect, I want that place. Um, and so I found myself on a Saturday sitting at a table with a sandwich in front of me and this guy across from me who's staring at me um, like he would rather shove needles into his eyeballs than eat lunch with me, which... Like, again, I was new to dating, so I was like, okay, like, maybe this is a thing guys do on dates where they, like, act like they're in physical pain to be with you. <laughs> like, like, that doesn't feel totally right to me, but, like, I don't know, whatever. Um, and so it becomes really clear to me from the beginning that, like, I am responsible for the conversation on this date. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm talking and I'm asking questions and I'm, you know, acting like a human. Um... And he's, like, kind of staring at me, and, like, he is, like, answering questions at first, and then he kind of stops. Um, and so the less he talks, the more I talk. And so it very quickly turns into, like, this monologue, like, stream of consciousness, like, me just looking for ways to, like, fill the silence. Um, and so, you know, I just kind of start saying, like, I'm running out of topics, right? Um, and so I decide that it's a really good idea to talk about, like, what book I'm reading right now, which is usually a pretty safe topic. Um, And, you know, it's always easier to, like, talk about somebody else's ideas when you're really nervous, right? Um, And so I launch into this recap of this book I'm reading, which, unfortunately, at the time, uh, was a memoir of a former neo-Nazi skinhead gang leader. Um, And, like, it is by far, like, the most, like, violent and horrifying thing I've ever read. But he also, like, makes, you know, really, has really good insights about, like, the nature of humanity and, like, diversity. And, like, you know, he's reformed now, so it's really, it's great. Um, It's a really good book. I highly recommend it. Um, (laughs) I I don't recommend bringing it up on a date. Um, But, like, I couldn't stop talking. Like, I just had to say something, right? And so I find myself, like, recounting, like, these horrifying stories about, like, gang violence and, like, blood in the streets and racism. Um, And this guy, like, he's just staring at me like I am the biggest freak on the planet. And at this point, I can't even really disagree with him. Um, And so 45 minutes later, uh, he finally puts me out of my misery by looking down at his sandwich that he has not touched this entire time and then getting up and just, like, dumping it all in the trash. And is like, I'm not going to eat this. And then he walks out. Um, and I was like, oh, like, again, new to this, but feel like that's a cue to leave. Um, and so I walk outside, and we're standing on the sidewalk. And he stops, and he looks at me, and I look at him. And I'm like, okay, like, this has to be the moment where, like, he explains himself, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for him to say, like, I've had a blinding migraine this whole time. Or, like, you know, there's got to be a reason that somebody acts like this. Um, so he looks into my eyes. I look into his eyes. And he says, well, I can't think of anything else to do with you. <laughs> and then he just turns and walks away. And we never spoke again. <laughs> um, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. I mean, who hasn't done that? You know, I, f- I feel like as a guy, if there's, there's no sure sign that you should abort 
the date thing, then when you first call, your cheek mutes the phone. <laughs> like, that is a sign from above that's like, hey, this is not... How old were you when that happened? Man, that sucks. <laughs> Sorry. On behalf of that guy, I apologize. Uh, our next storyteller... You guys remember the rule when I, we first started, the rule that I said that you, don't, you shouldn't throw things from stage? Does anybody remember that? Our next storyteller is the reason for that role. Uh, they call him Meat Man. His name is Marty. Uh, and uh, a few times he's thrown hot dogs from the stage. So please put your hands together for Marty, the Meat Man Sosnowski. I hate rules, but I am going to follow that one. I'm a prop guy. So I bring props with me because they help me tell my stories. Because like Maria, and, and you just mentioned this, before I start my stories, I always start well with a disclaimer that I do not protect the innocent. If you were there, I'm going to use your name because I'll be like Maria. I've smoked too much pot in my life that I can't remember everything. So I just use names the way they come out. It's the way it is. If you were there, own up to it. So this is tonight's story is this is like a double holy shit story that that the two holy shits happened 10 years apart but are all based on this one night which is kind of unusual and this is about this is a story about my, the relationship between me and my grandfather which is awesome my grandfather is like a larger than life person my grandfather believed in in working hard and taking care of your family and hunting and fishing and that was his whole life. And since today is, is opening day of hunting season, this story is like perfect. So I got my props. It's opening day of hunting season. And I'm 17 years old and I get invited up for the first time to go bear hunting with my grandfather, who is just like my hero and I'm just peeing in my pants that I get to go do this. So this helps me get ready for my story. Now we have somebody from Detroit here. Now, I have, I have a weapon, but this is not a real gun, so I don't want to get shot, just so, I tried to pick a gun out that for sure did not look like a real gun, and I hope that the people from Detroit realize that. Because that is a scary place. I've been to Harpo's many times, and very scary place. So, I'm bear hunting with my grandfather, Munising, Michigan. And my grandfather was a guy who didn't really believe necessarily in the hunting rules as they pertain to most people. He kind of believed that if you, were, if you were there like the day before the season, that was good enough. It didn't matter. I mean, you're there, you're ready to hunt, so why not hunt the day before? So I'm up to bear camp, and it's the day before the season opened, and he tells me we're going to go out, which I'm like, okay, cool. So we head out to where you go bear hunting. And he had his pile of bait out there. His buddy had his pile of bait out there. And we get out there, and, and, and there's a pickup truck that is the, is the bear blind. And so my grandfather, there's not enough room in there for both of us, so we make this little makeshift blind out in front of the pickup truck for my grandfather. He's going to sit out there, and he tells me I get to sit in the truck. It was way cool. So I'm, I'm in this pick, little pickup, and I, get to, I can play the radio, and my grandpa, he's sitting out front. And he, our plan was is that if we saw a bear to shoot, that he was going to shoot, and then I'm supposed to back him up because... 
he wanted to make sure that he like killed it right away because this is the day before the season opened and we're trying not to draw too much attention to us by shooting a bunch of, a bunch of bullets. So I'm sitting in the pickup truck and I'm maybe taking a few one hitters. Grandpa's, my grandpa drank a lot and he's sitting out front and he's got his little bottle of whiskey and he's drinking. And maybe the one hitters wasn't such a good idea because it, it kind of pertains to my decision making later on in the story. So I'm sitting in there, and I'm actually I'm playing the radio, and I'm just kind of sitting in there going, this is pretty cool hunting with Grandpa. So all of a sudden I look out, and here's Grandpa, and he's in his little blind, and he's got his gun, and he's sitting there, and all of a sudden I see he's like, he's like this. And I'm like, holy shit. And I look, and he's telling me, back me up. And there's a bear coming right at us. Big, I mean, I'm a big bear, and he's coming right for us. And here's Grandpa in his little blind, and all of a sudden he's sitting there, and and, and, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm ready to back him up and, and that bear just wham drops right to the ground and I'm like holy shit we just got a bear and this is so fucking cool and so we get out and we're high-fiving each other and that bear's laying about maybe 30 yards over there on the ground just laying there and so we go walking up and and I, I even said to him, I'm standing right there looking at the bear. And he, first of all, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you got to go up and like poke it with your gun to make sure it's dead. You know, you got to do that. And so he goes up there and, yep, okay. And I'm standing there looking at the bear. And it's a big one, 350 pounds, he said it was, or approximately. It's a big ass black bear. And it's laying there. And I, it's got a big hole right in its head. Right, right between its eyes and the blood's pouring out on the ground and I even said to my grandpa I was like wow dude look at that you got him right between the eyes Gramps just like you're supposed to you know and he's kind of proud of himself you know and, we're, and I'm just like what and so my grandpa puts his gun down and he's got this you know grandpas they got their knives on their belt so he gets his knife out and I'm not, this is no lie, he gets his knife out. As soon as he gets his knife out, we're, I'm still standing there going, wow, that's pretty cool. Bam, that bear jumped up. I'm not kidding you. That bear jumped up and it's standing right there. And I, we're, we're in shock. I'm serious. I, we're in shock. And that bear, I'll never, I can still see it. It's got like, it's got like this blood coming out of its nose, you know, like real cloudy blood. And, and he, he's got this, and he's just kind of sitting there going, and we're both standing there like this. And this is kind of where maybe I shouldn't have been smoking pot thing comes in. Because as I'm standing there, I mean, it seemed like, you know, five minutes went by. And it was probably a few seconds. And all of a sudden, my grandpa hits me. And I realize that I do have a gun in my hand. And this bear is going to attack and eat us. In my gra- and luckily, my grandpa yells at me, shoot the motherfucking thing. And I'm going like, holy shit. And at that moment, luckily, the bear turned around and took off. And I'm like, big hunter. Bah, 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 bah. I'm shooting at it. And I said, I think I got it. And he goes, ah, I don't think you hit it. So the bear, the bear runs off. And we're both standing there like, Holy shit! That was crazy. I don't know why the thing didn't eat us, but it didn't. So it takes off. So we we follow it. It's a little bit before dark, and we follow it, the blood trail through the woods, and we can't find it, and we come to this opening, and it had crawled underneath this tree, and, and we kind of looked, and even my grandpa was like, I don't think this is a very good idea. He goes, we better go back to camp and come back in the morning. So we go back to camp, 
And of course, we're all excited and telling them this crazy story about this fucking bear that we killed, but yet it came back to life. And, and we couldn't figure out what the deal was. And my grandpa, so we proceeded to start playing. There was nothing we could do till morning. So we're up there with my grandpa's buddy and his grandson, who is the same age I am. We're, his grandson and me are both a couple potheads, which was a good, fortunate thing for me at the time that, that it worked out that way. So we're sitting around the table that night playing cards, telling him all about everything that happened, getting really drunk. And all of a sudden, his grandson says, Oh, Gramps, you don't mind if we smoke some weed, do you? And he's like, I don't care. His, gran- his grandfather didn't care. So we both roll up a couple joints, and we start smoking. We're drinking whiskey and getting hammered and telling everybody this story. And all of a sudden, my grandpa goes, I think I want to try that stuff. He goes, I've never tried that smoking weed before. And so I'm like, sweet. So we, my, my, the guy that's with us, he's just going to pass my grandpa the joint. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want my grandpa to get stoned. So I rolled him up his own joint, and I gave it, and I grabbed it. So he smokes the joint, and we're getting stoned and drunk, and we're having a really good time at bear camp other than the bear incident. So this is it. So I finally says to Gramps, I says, I go, so Gramps, what do you think? What do you think about weed? And he goes, this is exactly what he said. He goes, well, Mark, he goes, you know, I can see how a guy could get used to this. But he goes, I still like my whiskey. And he had his bottle of whiskey. And that's kind of that part of the holy shit story. But so then, 10 years later goes by, about 10 or 11 years go by. And unfortunately, Grandpa dies. And... So I'm getting ready to go to college at the time, and, and uh, I end up picking a school and a teacher that I wanted to learn from that was right near where my grandfather had lived, and his house was still empty from after he had died, and my family had told me that if you want to move in there, we'll let you live there rent-free while you're going to college. Sweet, awesome. So I move into my grandfather's place, start going to college. I started that fall. Now, my grandfather lived way out in the country on the river, fishing, all that kind of crap. He had this old shed and this ice shanty and this smoker out in the yard. And, and then that next spring, I couldn't wait to get into some of this stuff because it had been sitting there for a couple of years. And he had all his hunting and fishing crap in there. So I get to the, I, we're, we're looking in the shed and he's got his trapping stuff. And all of a sudden, I looked at that ice fishing shanty and I went, Wow, there's got to be some cool stuff in there. Some of Grandpa's old ice fishing gear. Oh, man. So I go over to the ice fishing shanty. And it's got a big lock on it. And I'm like, well, that's kind of unusual. So I find a saw. I cut the lock off, the ice fishing shanty. Now, my two cousins, Steve Cochran, Dave Decat, and his sister, Danelle Decat, they're all there helping me. We're cleaning up the yard. It's in the springtime, and it had finally gotten warm. So I finally sawed the lock off the ice fishing shanty. Open it up, and I just went, holy shit. And I told my cousins, I said, come here, you got to see this. And I opened up the door, and they all three of them stood there and just went, holy shit. What do you think was in the ice fishing shanty? Does anybody have a guess? There was about 10 marijuana plants <laughs> hanging upside down in that motherfucking ice shanty. And I was just like, I don't believe this. I can't fucking believe it. And there it was, you know. And I had no idea that my grandfather had ever done that or whatever it was. And, you know, the hunting thing is kind of, 
it, it really brought it back to me, and I really missed my grandpa. And that was just kind of one of those moments. Those were two holy shit moments that kind of came from that one night. And I thank you all for coming and listening to our stories. This is awesome. Thank you. Aren't those stories just wonderful so far? You got to love Marty. He's always got a story that'll just make you grab onto your seat and hang on for dear life. That guy has lived one hell of a life. Uh, During this quick little break, I just want to take some time. Many of you know that we just ran a successful GoFundMe page to buy a new computer for StorySlam. And I wanted to take some time and thank everybody who donated, but especially some of our top donators. Uh, Some of you, I have your full names and some I don't. But big thanks to Alex W. who donated $200. Tom Schmidt gave $100. Uh, Bradley Glassell gave $100. Uh, And... Who is... I know somebody else gave $100. Jessica Reagan. Regan or Reagan. I I can never remember, Jessica. I'm so sorry. Big thanks to all of our top donors. You guys all helped make this new computer happen. Uh, But especially those guys went above and beyond. And it's so appreciative. If you would like to contribute to Madison Story Slam in a financial way, again, you can go to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Slam. And I won't give you the spiel again. You heard it already. But you go there and you can figure it out. You're all smart people. Anyway, let's get back to our stories because this is boring. Our next storyteller. uh, The first time he told the story here was last month. And uh, he's one of my favorite people in Madison. Uh, You can catch him at the Comedy Club a lot of times. Uh, His name is Frandu. So please clap for him. Thank you. Well, I feel good because I got nature behind me. Look at this. It's all kinds of wild animals. It's a chain hanging there. Maybe that's for us. eh? Holy jeez. Wow. So, I went to New York City. Yay! <laughs> Holy freaking frack. What a big city. Oh, my God. Egos are high. They mushroom like when it's raining, umbrellas come up. You know, egos. Push, push. So I took the subway. I went to take the subway, and in the platform, there's this old man, and he's got a hoodie, and he's eating a sandwich or something, and as I'm going to get past him, he starts screaming at me, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me, like I want to get close to him, you know? <laughs> There's nobody sitting next to him either side of the bench. There's like nobody around him. I mean, he smells bad. His clothes is all dairy, and, and, and he just looks like, uh, I mean, you don't want to sit next to him. He's like a poison bomb, you know. It's like, I go, oh, that the heck? It's okay. So I went, I took my subway, I went, did my things and all that, and blah, blah, blah. And this one night when I was leaving the, the city, well, a few things happened before that. 
like uh, I took the subway at rush hour and people get into the subway in New York City to go to work or go to go home and they're packed like sardines. It's like there's no room. You got to like press in and you're there, you know, you just like wait. That's what happens. But I walk in, I'm freaking frack. People open a, a path for me. They're like, ooh, okay, come on in. And I'm like, all right, this is, this is cool. And then, and, and then I go to sit down, you know, I'd like, there's benches there and people get up and leave like two people and so I'm like damn I sit down I put my bag on one side and sit down on the next and I'm like wow this is cool this is great I knew I was special you know <laughs> but I did not know how special I was this is like amazing it's like oh you know they really love old people here but no they make a circle around me you know and I'm like all right it's <laughs> People told me that if I were to go to New York City, I should get a slice of pizza. Because the pizza in New York City is like the best pizza in the world. So I went over and I got myself a slice of pizza. And I'm eating. And it was late at night. It was like 2 a.m. And I'm kind of drunk because I've been drinking. And I'm asking people, where's the pizzeria? Like at 2 a.m. in the morning. You know? But it's New York City. You know, they don't sleep. So... <laughs> And they tell me, oh, two blocks, five blocks. So like, oh, okay, okay, now where's the pizza? And they tell me, go there. So I go over there, I end up in the pizza. In the pizzeria, I buy a slice of pizza, five bucks. Just plain cheese. Okay, that's okay. So I'm eating, I'm halfway through, the, through my slice, and this man comes over to me in a suit. You know, jacket, vest, pants, the whole thing made of leather. The whole thing was made of leather, black leather. And he comes over to me and he says, hey, man, you hungry? And I look at him, I'm halfway through my slice of pizza, and I go, well, yeah, you know, and I keep eating. He says, oh, okay. And then he goes, and he comes back, and he says, would you like some food? And I go, okay. And he gives me a whole Italian dinner. I mean, bread, wine, the whole world. It's, it's, it's got pasta with some sort of sauce on it. And I'm like, wow, man, thank you. And I go to myself, damn. They really treat you nice here, you know. I'm like, holy freaking frag, this is great, this is great. So comes my last night, and I'm like dying to do some comedy in the freaking city, right? I mean, I've been doing it, but like my last night, I want to do this. So I get together with two, I went to this place, and they canceled the, the open mic because they were having some freaking party. The heck? No, Really? Supposed to be an open mic for people to like, you know, tell their jokes and are they closer for a party? Okay, it's Halloween. <laughs> so there's three of us, these two people I don't know and myself, and I'm, I'm, we're thinking, you know, and they're going through the phone street, there's any other places, and I said, oh, I know a place. Because I looked it up, and they go, really? I go, yeah. And oh, we trudged for about an hour, 45 minutes to get to the place. No, I misread the thing. It was supposed to be the next day. <laughs> These guys want to kill me, you know, because it took a long time to get there. If there was another open mic, now they're dead. You know, it's like, yeah. But it was Halloween. And like, I don't care. I'm just having fun. And so I'm taking pictures of people in the street, you know, and crying, crying, and we're talking. It's good. It's good, even though we didn't do anything. And I'm going, and it's raining now, and I'm cold, and I don't know where the number six train is. So I start asking people in the street, 
where is the number six? So I go, excuse me, excuse me, number six. And people go, no, no, thank you. And then he just keep walking out. And I'm like, no, no, excuse me, can you tell me where that? No, no, it's okay, that's all right. And they just keep going away. And I'm going, what the heck? What the heck? And then like for like five minutes I'm doing this, you know, and like 20 people go by and then all the, everybody's just like, no, no, it's, you know, they're just going. And like, so finally I just lose it. And I start screaming in the street. I'm just trying to find where the subway is, somebody, please. What is the problem with you guys? I'm as human as you are. You know, I'm just screaming. Somebody finally, you know, there's like a group of people around me. And, and, and there's like sophisticated ladies. And, you know, men in their suits with their briefcases. And they're like looking at me. And they go, oh, you want the subway? Somebody finally says, like, she's up the road, half a block. I go, oh, great. Because if you take the wrong way in a rainy, freezing windy day, man, you can walk for blocks, and then you end up, you don't know where, then you have to go back, and I didn't want to do that, then they live there, and I'm like, damn, okay, half, half a block, so I start walking, and there's these two ladies coming behind me, and they were there in the little group, they knew what was going on, so I'm like, turn around, and I'm like, what the heck, you know, it's like, what I was just trying to ask for the subway, where is the subway, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, people are like that, so like, don't you know where the subway is? Don't be, and they go, no, we don't take the subway. <laughs> this is New York City. How do you get around? I must be in the wrong neighborhood. Why do they bring a subway half a block away from here? Can we save money doing that? I mean, let's just cancel the freaking station. You people don't use the freaking subway. What are we doing here? What the heck? And they're like, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I get it. That's the people didn't want to talk to me because they don't know where the subway is. They, they were embarrassed, right? Because I'm special. <laughs> but you know, there's pain that suddenly comes to you and it reaches you really deep inside, right to your core. That reminds you when you were like a little baby, when you have that encounter with your father, your mother, your sister, whatever it was, that really made an impression on you. And you just like, <gasps> pains that you never talk about, that your conflict never come out, that's still stressing you. And there's pains that just little by little work on you. And those are the ones that you get in New York City. It's the little pain, the little by little, you know. I'm, 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 I'm standing on a corner after I finish my cup of coffee, and I look at it, and I said, oh, I wish I had some more coffee, and somebody drops a quarter in my cup. I'm going, wow, I am special. So, and I'm wearing a hoodie, and like, and so, God, they don't use the subway, and I like walk into the subway station, but it's freaking Halloween, and I have my phone. And you know, you always have a freaking choice, right? You could say, life sucks, and then, yeah, geez, this life is miserable. What am I going to do? People don't like me. Look how they treat me. Or you can say, God, screw it. Because what feelings do you want to keep for yourself, you know? So I start taking pictures of the people around me, you know, saying, hey, yeah, you have a great, a, a great, whatever, what do you call it? A custom, yeah. <laughs> English, you know. So yeah, mom, you have a great custom. Let me take a picture, yeah, man. That's a group of people, and I take I take that picture, and we go into the same subway, and I'm like forgetting all these things that people were not telling, trying to tell me. They couldn't tell me where the subway was, and I go downstairs, and we're taking pictures, and they're like, "Yeah, hey, who are you, and what are you doing?" And I say, "Yeah, I do stand-up comedy," and they go, "Oh, you do?" I go, "Yeah." I says, "Do something for us," and I'm like, "Ah." Uh. 
you don't just like jump into something right in the middle of the street. I said, well, yeah, I, I would sing. I would like to sing. And they go, you, you would sing? I go, yeah, because everybody's in a festive mood. doesn't matter what you do. It's just, yeah, let's have fun. So I, I go, yeah, I sing. But if I sing, people run away from me. And they go, no, no, come on, sing, sing. And like, ah, so I sang. You know, in my mind, I want to sit on the bench and I want to put my hoodie over and when people go by, I'll say, get away from me, get away from me, get away. That's what I wanted to do. But no, I began to sing and I said, I got the whole world in my mind. You got the whole world in your mind, we got the whole world. In our mind, we got the whole world in our mind. And what do you want to do with it? What do you want to do with it? What do you love about the world? Because we got the whole world in our mind. And what you really, really want, what you want, what you really want, and people are are looking at me, I'm dancing, singing, they're actually filming me, there's people across the street in the subway station, and they're like, wow, you know, and they're like listening, and I just say, because what you really, really want, what we really, really want, what we really want, that's what we get. That's what we get. It's been, it's done so. What do you want? What do you want? It is done so. Thank you very much. My name is Frendu. Thank you, Frendu. Please give it up for Matt Magnuson. Some of you remembered. Thank you. So, um, I really love animals. I've always loved animals. And I was never allowed to have a dog growing up. Um, because the first one we owned, I was yay big. And uh, the only memory I have of that dog is uh, running across my house with it latched to my ass. So, <laughs> uh, needless to say, Dad said no dogs, but... I had a cousin who had dogs. He had birds, ferrets, all the animals that were definitely a no-go. And um, throughout my years, I've met lots of great animals. And uh, I started dating my girlfriend, Hannah. And she's got really great cats. And this really, really wonderful family dog. But I'd never met a dog so old before. I'd never met a 17-year-old dog that smelled so bad. <laughs> Um, but she had all these really great stories about um, how this dog just like fought off possums and like saved her life a couple times. And, you know, you hear all these like great things about these dogs growing up. And anyways, uh, there was a certain weekend where uh, we were going to get a new couch. She had this couch that is, it's really awesome. Actually, it's a huge like seven foot thing. I can actually lay down in it. And I was like, OK, cool. We'll go pick it up from your mom's house. And uh, we're on the way there, and we're super excited about how this couch situation is going to work out. And as we're rolling up, you know, there's Zoe on the ground. Can barely kind of waddle her legs, but is just so happy to see us. And uh, the breed that this dog is kind of looks Wolverine-ish. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really poofy. 
And it's just getting to an age now, too, where grooming it isn't necessarily the most uh, healthy thing for the dog because, you know, it's it's old, it's fragile, it's got delicate skin on it. And um, anyways, uh, so we finally load this, you know, this really big couch into uh, her mom's trailer, and we're pretty excited about it. And the dog's just super happy, you know, just slowly kind of pacing all around us. And um, Hannah decides, hey, well, let's bring the dog in the car. I'm like, all right, that's, that's great, but we're going to leave the windows open because this thing is really smelly. And um, the dog's just kind of running around the car a little bit. It's in the back seat, and before we know it, um, she's just chilling, like, by the legs of Hannah in the front seat of the car, and we're having a good time. And um, we're driving down the inter- well, not the interstate, it was a back way or a highway. So we're doing about 55, you know, the speed limit's 50, 55 there. And um, we're, we're playing some kind of loud music. And before we know it, this dog just starts making these noises I had never heard a dog make before. This dog go really panicked and like, really startled just like (laughs) screeching noise and I'm freaking out because it's kind of running around as I'm driving and to have a dog that that smelly kind of like going across your lap and then into everything and it just stops and all my knowledge from watching nature documentaries I'm like oh my god why did it stop and then you just smell this terrible terrible gagging poop <laughs> and my first thought is I love this dog already but this dog is ancient I, I'm like this dog died this dog fucking died I'm freaking out because I'm driving I'm like what's happening what's happening please tell me what's happening and I look at her and she <laughs> has this shit in her hand and throws it out the window <laughs> and I look at her I don't know where the dog is exactly did you do that with your bare hands? <laughs> no, it was a napkin. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so uh, I still don't know what's going on with the dog. And I'm freaking out because I'm driving uh, 55 miles an hour right now. There's cars behind us. You can't just all of a sudden pull over. And um, so I finally, like, we make an exit. We pull into this, <laughs> this driveway. And this dog just happily just prounces out. It's the fastest I've ever seen this dog move around before and just starts walking around as we just have to clean out all this massive amount of holy shit uh, (laughs) 17-year-old dog turds. Um, But it was kind of one of those moments where I had never freaked out that bad before. And uh, it was just kind of this miraculous moment when we knew the dog was okay. Um, But to make a long story short here, uh, we got the couch to the house and found out it didn't fit. So we had to drive (laughs) back with the smelly cotter and uh, the dog poop. But that's my story. Thank you, Matt. I have nothing funny to say after that. So our next, our next storyteller is John Babich. Give it up for John. Oh, wow. It's kind of intimidating being up here. <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, I'm John. Uh, this past summer, uh, me and a group of 30 others 
uh, did this cross-country bicycle trip. Uh, we went from Portsmouth, New Hampshire to uh, Bellingham, Washington. So it's like about 4,000 miles. And we actually came through the lovely Madison. Uh, it was a great time. So, you know, this trip, it, it was uh, for this affordable housing cause. Um, so we would work with, like, Habitat for Humanity. We worked with Dane County Habitat and um, other affordable housing uh, organizations. Anyway, so you get really comfortable with the people that you're with when you're with them for about 80 days straight, and you're with them, you know, 24 hours a day. I, I don't know the math. Someone can pull out their iPhone and do it if they want. Um, and so by probably day four, we were all pretty, uh, like, naked around each other. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just how it is, you know, like... We're, we're cyclists, you know, we're wearing chamois, there's not a lot of underwear, you know, a lot of, a lot of dirtiness. Anyway, um, and so we, so I'm going to talk about one specific day. Um, we're in, we're getting into Fargo, North Dakota. I don't know if you guys have ever been. Um, I'm not from the Midwest, but that is quintessential Midwest, I think. And um, so we get into Fargo, and we, we were staying at these churches most of the time, or community centers. Um, very, like, kind people would feed us and give us a place to stay. And, of course, like, we need to shower because we are just disgusting. You know, like, we biked 70 miles a day, and, you know, you can get things called saddle sores. I'm sure you can figure that out in your mind, what that is. Um, happy to say I didn't get any, but... Yeah. Anyway, and so uh, we had a build a build day um, where we were working on um, uh, an affordable housing project in Fargo, North Dakota, and um, so we come back and you know we still want to shower, and we didn't have the same uh, access to facilities that we did uh, the night the day before. We had uh, showered at uh, somebody's home, and so when this happened, as it did many times uh, during our trip we would do what's called a hose shower. You know, you just pull a hose out. It's the summertime. It's not a big deal, right? You know, just have a friend hose you off, whatever. Um, and like I said, you know, we're all really comfortable. And so um, I'd like to say that I maybe made a bad decision, but whatever. Um, that, that, that evening, before we showered, like, we went out to one of the breweries in Fargo and had a couple beers, came back, and some of my fellow cyclists are out on the <laughs> are out on the, the front lawn of this church. And this is on uh, Broadway in Fargo, North Dakota, so you can imagine, big stuff. And, um, <laughs> and so I'm getting there, and my friend Adam is wearing a towel, and he just walks out. He saunters out, pulls the towel off, ass naked. And then Ryan, same thing, ass naked. And they're spraying each other with the hose. And, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's okay, right? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, we're all really comfortable with each other. I think this is hilarious. We all do. And, um, you know, they're hollering at each other, as boys do. Men, right? We're men, sorry. Um, <laughs> And so I go inside, and I'm like, oh, you know, that sounds like a really good idea. Like, I'm going to take a nice, like, shower. I'm going to, like, just, you know, be naked, but it's not a big deal, right? Like, duh. And so I go outside after, and, like, I'm by myself. And so we're at the corner of this church, and there's a big sign that's illuminated, and it says, 
you know, the name of the church and whatnot. So I go over there and I have the hose and I'm like pretty secluded. I'm still like, I'm still very naked, like as naked as naked can be, right? And um, so I'm like hosing myself off, but it just feels like great, you know? It's summertime and I'm like trying to get all the sweatiness off. And um, so I finish my shower, I put my towel on and I'm like winding up this terribly knotted hose you know, like none of my my like fellow cyclists put any care into winding this thing up, so it's taking me too long. And so, you know, this is supposed to be a holy shit story. So uh, I hear someone ask me like, uh, what, "What are you doing here?" And I, I, I look up, and there's a police officer <laughs> in Fargo, North Dakota. And he says, um, you know, we got, some, uh, we got some calls that there is uh, some lewd behavior going on out here. Um, are you wearing anything under that towel? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, no, officer. Um, you know, I was just uh, showering out here uh, in front of this church. I'm uh, with this affordable housing organization called Bike and Build. Um, you know, he's like, okay. We're going to need to ask you some questions. And so he comes inside, and he's interrogating me and some of the other cyclists, and he calls for backup. And so, like, yeah, right? He calls for backup, you know? It's like, come on. And, um, and so, you know, like, when you really think you're going to be in deep shit, your heart is just pounding, and, like, all the terrible scenarios are going through your mind, like, He's telling me, like, you're going to be registered as a sex offender in the state of North Dakota, right? And, like, you know, <laughs> this is going to ruin my life. Like, oh, my God. And um, so next few days, he, t- he takes down our information, but the next few days, you know, this is, like, going through my mind as I'm, like, you know, continuing my bike ride. And it ends up nothing, nothing comes of it, thank God. But, you know, this is, this is the story of the time I almost became a registered sex offender in the state of North Dakota. So. Hey, that's it for the Holy Shit episode. You've now heard both parts. You've heard wonderful stories. How about that Fran Du guy? Isn't he amazing? Uh, Fran Du, he, he has, he's like a ball of energy. It's crazy. I hope when I am his age that I will have as just half as much as energy as he has. And then I'll be golden, you know? Uh, and hey, our final story slam of the season is May 20th. That's Saturday, May 20th at the Wilmar Center, as always. Sponsored by AL Asylum. Big thanks to them for being partners with us in building community through storytelling. We hope to see you there. We'll have prizes. We'll have fun. We'll have stories. And as always, we'll have community because we have stories and I have you and you have me. We'll see you next time, guys.